Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. Well, good morning once again. It's good to see you all this first Sunday of Advent. And as we begin this Advent season, uh, I want to share with you an insight I I think is true uh, that I have made about the world. I I really think there are just about two kinds of people in the world. There are people who wait until the proper time to begin celebrating Christmas, which is, of course, after Thanksgiving, right? You got got those people here in the room with me? Uh, So that's one type of people. And then there are people who are wrong and, um, frankly, (laughs) kind of annoying. Um, Got some people pointing each other out. We're not, you know, not judging. We are. But uh, I I am clearly one of those uh, first type. Don't get me wrong. I love all the Christmas everything. I'm not a Scrooge. I love Christmas decorations and songs and all the traditions. It just has its proper time and place, which is after Thanksgiving. Having said that, I have a confession to make. Uh, Last weekend, Dave was out of town, and it was generally nice weather, and I was looking for something to do, and so last weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving, I took my kids to Target, and we went to the Christmas section, and we bought the lights, and I gave in, and I bought them the, like, blow-up Santa thing for the yard, because they really wanted it. I think they're so tacky, but we have one now, (laughs) and I put them up in my yard last weekend. I didn't turn them on, I want you to know. I put the lights up, I put the blowy thing out, I plugged it in, but I did not, I did not plug the cord into the house until Friday, this last Friday, Friday after Thanksgiving, because that is the way things are true and right and good in the world. But I just, I needed to confess that, so <laughs> thank you for your grace. Because the reality is, I I just know for myself, I I have to do something to kind of hold the forces of culture at bay, the the culture that has devised this behemoth of a holiday we might as well call Hallow Thanksmas, right? You may have never heard the word, but we all live the reality. Hallow Thanksmas, it begins in mid-October when shopping centers mid-October begin putting up the Christmas decorations already. Like, Target, they're sneaky about it, right? Target, they, they, that section in the back that's all for, for whatever season we're in, they put up this big wall of Christmas lights for purchase. But in October, they labeled it Halloween lights. Liars, like you're trying to sell Christmas lights in October. We know this. And then after those Christmas decorations and tchotchkes and whatever all get put up in the stores, then we rush right into trick-or-treating, which just only begins a three-month-long American children sugar high. And then we get into the Thanksgiving meal, and then we are just off to the races from, you know, then until Christmas, and we all collapse on December 25th. Hello, thanks, miss, is not a season for sissies, right? Like, you got to have real stamina for stuff like this. You got to have shop till you drop determination. Some people 
they're into it. Like they've been training for this all year, right? They're ready for it and they throw themselves in. I mean, I literally have a neighbor, we were talking at the bus stop. She has got an Excel spreadsheet for every possible Christmas activity she can take her kids to every day of the week if she chose. She's in it. But some of us, you know, we just see all that, we feel all that and we're like, and we have to just fight like just not getting depressed and just withdrawing from all of it. Hello, thanks, miss. It just leaves so much to be desired because in reality it asks everything of you. It asks your time. It asks your money. It asks your energy. It asks your money. It asks for a whole lot of money. And it just doesn't give that much back to you which is why I think it's so very helpful that the church so, so, so many years ago gives us, came up with this alternative to Hello Thanksmas. And it's this four-week period that we call Advent. See, where Hello Thanksmas shouts, Advent whispers. Where Hallow Thanksmas demands that you focus your attention on the to-do list, the mall, the parties, all of the chaos, Advent simply gently beckons you to just turn your gaze towards Bethlehem. Advent reminds us that the great event that we long for isn't Santa's drop down the chimney, but it's God's coming down to us in Jesus Christ. In a season where everything around us is telling us to run, work, get going, get done, Advent simply just offers a time to wait, to hope, to breathe. So, I thought as we begin this sermon, as we begin this new series, as we enter into this new season, I thought for some of us it might be a gift to do that, to take a moment to just simply breathe. How much do we actually spend time, give ourselves time to do that? I would hazard to guess most of us not very much. And so what we are going to do in just a moment, literally I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And I would invite you in those 30 seconds to just get in a position where your body is comfortable, to close your eyes, to take a number of deep breaths in and out, And if you need to focus your mind on something, it can simply be a simple Advent prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. So let's do that now, 30 seconds. Let's just be. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Advent, the word Advent, literally means someone or something is coming. Someone or something that we have been waiting for, longing for, searching for. 
For the people of Israel, when we meet them in the scripture we're going to read in just a moment, they had been living in their own advent for quite a number of years at this point. They had been waiting for God to come to redeem his people. They were waiting for the day when a king, God's true and chosen king, would take his throne and establish God's rule of justice and peace forever. They were waiting. And we are waiting. We are all on a journey searching for more, for for significance, for purpose, for hope, for love. And the promise of Advent is that we won't be waiting much longer, for someone has come who has redeemed God's people. Someone has come who is God's true and chosen king. This someone has come and is the only one who can give us all that we are searching for and more. Prophet Isaiah puts it this way. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The promise of Advent is that the someone that we have been waiting for has come, and that someone has a name. Scripture gives them a whole lot of names, and we're going to be looking at each one through this series, this Advent, names like Emmanuel, Savior, Messiah, Lord, Jesus. Or as the prophet Isaiah told us today, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah's hearers in ancient Judah would have thought that he was referring to an earthly king, one who would literally sit on David's throne and restore that nation to power. We, though, now on the other side of Christmas, the other side of Easter, we now can look back and see how God fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, his promise, in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that child who was born for us, the son who was given to us, born and given to be our wonderful counselor. You know, over the last couple of years, I've noticed something in myself, something that I do (laughs) with uh, great frequency. If I get into a conversation with somebody and it goes to kind of a deep place, you know, really talking about the stuff that matters in life, somewhere in that course of that conversation, it's going to happen that the words that come out of my mouth are going to be something that I'm like, well, you know, my counselor Barbara says, and some kind of quote or piece of wisdom that my counselor has given me. I quote her so much. She's wonderful. I love her. She's, She's an incredible therapist. I see her regularly, and she has brought so much insight into my life, and I love her so much. I quote her so much that literally... I can name and think of at least five to six people who've now started seeing her as a thera- their therapist themselves because of me. Like, I have get, keep giving her name and card out to everybody so much that I've told her, I think she owes me a finder's fee. Like, 
I think I should get at least one free session out of it, but we haven't gotten there quite yet. The truth is, whether it's with Barb or somebody else, I just really believe that at some point in life, everybody could use a good counselor, you know, at various points along the way. We all just need that. We need somebody who will listen to us. We need somebody who will understand us. We need somebody who will help us find our way. And I am so, so grateful that I have a good one now, that I have that in, in Barbara in my life now. But I will tell you, I've had my share of bad counselors, right? And, and if you've had this experience, you kind of know it's just like you can tell that they're listening to you, but they're not hearing you. And they're, they're, you know, they kind of start to give their feedback and you're like, no, that doesn't fit. Like it's like putting on a shoe that doesn't fit. You're just kind of like, mm, that's just not right. But again, conversely, on the other side, a really good counselor, they not only listen to you, they hear you. You can tell that they understand what you're saying, what you're feeling, that they've been there before and they know how to point the way. Well, Isaiah says that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus isn't just a good counselor, he's the very best. Better than any human being ever could. Jesus knows our needs, he understands our doubts, our fears, he stands beside us in our pain and in our sorrow. There's no other religion that says this, do you know this? No other religion claims that God suffered, that, that God had to be courageous that God knows what it's like to be abandoned by your friends, to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and to die. The story of Christmas is that in Jesus, we have a God who knows everything that we're going through. So when you talk to him, he understands. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He's also called Mighty God. This baby that was born in a Bethlehem barn would later become the one who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the one who would give sight to the blind and raise the dead to life. He would cast out evil spirits and calm raging seas. He would heal broken bodies and forgive sin-sick souls. And in the end, he would take on death and darkness itself. And on Easter morning, he would defeat it. Make no mistake. Jesus is our mighty God. It can be hard to remember that some days, can't it? It can be a lot of days when life feels very, very out of control. I can say for certain that life has never felt more out of control than it has in this last year and a half. And it has been. Life has been out of my control out of my control, but never out of his. Found great comfort this week from the words of a Jesuit priest named Father Luis Espinal. He worked as a missionary in La Paz, Bolivia from 1968 to 1980 when he died. And in that context, in his ministry, uh, what he primarily did was come alongside some of the poorest, some of the neediest, most vulnerable people in that community who were being abused and exploited by a very violent and oppressive military force there, a ministry which ultimately led to his own untimely death. But even in the midst of that chaos, in that hurt, in that suffering, 
Father Espinel had hope because he knew Jesus as his mighty God. And from that knowledge, he wrote these words I want to share with you. It's, it's a poem. It's a prayer. It's called A Prayer for Hope. And it's a little bit long. I just want you to, to listen to his words. It says, there are Christians who have hysterical reactions as if the world had slipped out of God's hands. They are violent as if they were risking everything. But we believe in history. The world is not a roll of the dice on its way toward chaos. A new world has begun to happen since Christ has risen. Jesus Christ, we rejoice in your definitive triumph with our bodies still in the breach, our souls still in tension. We cry our first hurrah till eternity unfolds itself. Your sorrow now has passed. Your enemies have failed. You are the definitive smile for humankind. What matter the wait now for us? We accept the struggle and the death because you, our love, will not die. We march behind you on the road to the future. You are with us. You are our immortality. Take away the sadness from our faces. We are not in a game of chance. You have the last word. Beyond the crushing of our bones, now has begun the eternal hallelujah. From the thousands of openings in our wounded bodies and souls, there now arises a triumphal song. So teach us to give voice to your new life throughout the world because you dry the tears of the oppressed forever and death will disappear. Isaiah foretold it, Father Espinal knew it. Jesus is our mighty God. And he is our everlasting Father. You know, if there's ever a time that we need to hear that, I would say it's right about now. The holidays have kind of a way of exacerbating many complicated feelings we have about family, don't they? You know, even if we come from what we'd say is a, a pretty happy, healthy family, most of us can all think back to a time when we've been let down or disappointed or, or hurt by our families in some way. And from those of us who can't particularly say that our family was happy or healthy, well then for us, it's very, very hard to imagine this kind of father. This father who never leaves, who never fails. But that is the God that Jesus came to reveal. Not a, a distant deity, not a God who sets himself far apart from us, but an everlasting father. Jesus called him Abba. The compassionate, waiting father who leads, who guides, who, yes, sometimes disciplines his children, but never, never, never gives up on them. Unlike some of our earthly fathers, our Heavenly Father will never abandon us, never betray us, never walk out on us. Jesus wants us to know. Jesus wants to show us that our everlasting Father is here for good. And finally, he's called our Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is this beautiful word, shalom. And, and, and shalom, it means so much more than the absence of war. Shalom is life with fullness and freedom and justice and joy. 
Earlier in the book of Isaiah, the prophet looks forward to the day when the people would beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That day when nation would not take up sword against any nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And he knows that. He sees that because he knows that the Prince of Peace is coming. So what would that look like today? Well, in my study this week, I came across a sermon that was preached back in 2010 by a a person who was considering this concept of shalom, of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And he he dug up some interesting ideas. He he noted in this sermon in 2010, he said, if you stack up all of the military defense spending of the top eight to 10 nations in our world, you know, US, China, Russia, India, stack them all up, take all their defense spending for one year, you get $1.5 trillion. And that's 2010, so it's probably more than that now, right? That's $1.5 trillion in one year. He also discovered in 2010 that most experts said that for a mere $20 billion, you could feed every single person on the planet who is starving. All of them. Fed. So he took those numbers and you stack them against each other and he said, what if, just, just what if, imagine if we'd all stop killing each other for just one year and we can just you know, shut down the militaries for one year. If we did that, we'd have $1.5 trillion. And with the first 20 billion, we could go feed every single person on the planet and we'd have plenty left to spare. We could clothe, house, educate every needy person on the planet, still have more left over. Diseases could be cured. AIDS could be eliminated. Cancer research could be accelerated. The environment could be rescued and restored. Jesus said, peace, shalom, I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace Jesus gives all humanity and all creation is a peace unlike anything any military budget could ever buy. The peace that Jesus gives heals the hurts within and the hatred without. The peace Jesus gives is for every shattered life, every fractured relationship, every broken family, every displaced refugee, every international crisis. And Jesus calls us to be people who live out his peace, people who seek shalom in our homes, in our church, in our city, and in our world. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The someone we have been waiting for has come. And that someone has a name. His name is Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the question I leave you with today simply is, is he yours? Is Jesus your wonderful counselor? Do you know that you can trust him with 
every area of your life? Do you trust and do you know that he knows you, he understands you, and he has good plans for you? Is Jesus your mighty God? Do you believe that he indeed holds the whole world in his hands so he can hold your world in his hands too? Is he your everlasting father? Can you rest in his embrace knowing that he will always be there? And is he your prince of peace? Has he brought peace into your world and will you let him use you to bring peace into the world? Isaiah called Jesus the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And I hope that you will call him yours. A step in doing that that we do as a church once a month is just taking a designated time for prayer. We call it the laying on of hands. That comes from the book of James. James instructs the believers there. He says, is is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, lay hands on them, and anoint them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. So simply following the guidance of Scripture, we do that. We set aside time, and Jonathan and I and an elder on each side will be here to offer prayer. If you want to stay in your seat and pray, you are certainly welcome to do that, to pray for anything and, and anyone that comes to mind. But if you'd like uh, somebody to pray with you, to pray for you, for, for anything in your own life, in the world, and for somebody that you love, we, we cover all the bases. Uh, you are invited to come forward and receive that laying on of hands and prayer. And then after a few moments of that, we'll come back together for to pray all together. So Um, If there are elders here who can come join uh, Jonathan and I on either side, we'll pray. Let's turn our hearts all together to God in prayer. Lord God, you are the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all that is, of all of us. And we thank you for the privilege it is to come before you in worship, to experience your presence to be fed by you, that we may be conduits, that we might take what we have been given and and use it for the good of all who are around us. We thank you for this church, for the many people in big and small ways who act as the hands and the feet of Christ where it is needed the most. We thank you for all of the diligent workers in our various mission fields, for the people uh, working together to bring uh, just a little bit of joy through the wonder of Christmas to children in our local community and missionary kids. And pray your blessing on their hands as they go vigorously to work this week, making sure that all those gifts get to all the right families, that the wonder of Christmas might be experienced in those homes. We thank you for our partners in Egypt who, though they may be a small church, are blessing uh, so much far beyond uh, the borders of their little congregation to bring health and hope and, and, and life to the community around them. We thank you for Ebenezer Church 
in Belize. And again, the way that they are seeking not to be a church unto themselves, but a church that blesses their community, that comes along some of the poorest of the poor to bring food, to bring comfort, to bring education, to bring hope. We thank you for our friends at City Team and Cornerstone Christian Academy. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to come alongside those incredible men and women and to see in them the ways that you do far abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And we thank you for the ministries of this church, for the many, many people who come alongside our children and our students, loving them for who they are and teaching them who you are. And we pray for your blessing on every family that walks in these doors, that you would give particularly those parents the strength that they need to raise their kids to to know and to love and to follow you. And we pray that we could fulfill our baptism vows with every single one of those kids, that we come alongside those families and we point kids to you. And we thank you for the gift of worship, that we can lift our voices in song, we can lift our hearts in prayer, that we can be strengthened for your service. Lord, we know there are many in our midst who are hurting today, who are suffering in body and in spirit. And we pray, as you know every single need of every single heart, that you would come alongside to bring comfort and peace and healing and use us to Bring that to others who are in our midst, that they they may not see you, God. They would see us, and they would know that Jesus is real through the service and the love that we give. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.